Chapter Sixteen of Mrs. Balfame by Gertrude Horne Atherton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Lynn Thompson. Chapter Sixteen. The young lawyer was to call at eight o'clock. Mrs. Balfame put on her best black blouse in his honour. It was cut low about the throat and softened with the rolling collar of hemstitched white lawn. This was as far in the art of sex allurement as she was prepared to go. The bare idea of a negligee of white lace and silk, warmed by rose-coloured shades, would have filled her with cold disgust. She was not a religious woman, but she had her standards. At a quarter of eight she made a careful inspection of the lower rooms. Sleuths, professional and amateur, would not hesitate to sneak into her house and listen at keyholes. She inferred that the house was under surveillance, for she had looked from her window several times and seen the same man sauntering up and down that end of the avenue. No doubt someone watched the back doors also. Convinced that her home was still sacrosanct, she placed two chairs at a point in the parlour farthest from the doors leading into the hall and into a room beyond which Mr. Balfame had used as an office. The doors, of course, would be open throughout the interview. No one should be able to say that she had shut herself up with a young man. On the other hand, it was the duty of the deceased husband's lawyer to call on the widow. Even if those young devils discovered that she had telephoned for him, what more regular than that she should wish to consult her lawyer after such insinuations? Rush arrived as the town clock struck eight. Frida, who answered the door in her own good time, surveyed him suspiciously through a narrow aperture to which she applied one eye. "'What you want?' she growled. "'Mrs. Balfame, she have seen all the reporters already yet.' "'Let the gentleman in,' called Mrs. Balfame from the parlour. "'This is a friend of my late husband.' Rush was permitted to enter. He was a full minute disposing of his hat and overcoat in the hall, while Frida dragged her heelless slippers back to the kitchen and slammed the door. His own step was not brisk as he left the hall for the parlour, and his face, always colourless, looked thin and haggard. Mrs. Balfame, as she rose and gave him her hand, asked solicitously, "'Are you under the weather? How seedy you look. I wondered why you had not called.' "'A touch of the grip. Felt all in for a day or two. But I'm all right now, and although I have been very anxious to see you, I made up my mind not to call unless you sent for me. Well, I sent for you professionally, she retorted coolly. You don't suppose I took your love-making seriously? He flushed dully, after a manner of men with thick fair skins, and his hard blue eyes lost their fire as he stared at her. It was incomprehensible that she could misunderstand him. It was serious enough of me. I merely stayed away because, having spoken as I did, I, well, I cannot very well explain. You will remember that I made you promise to send for me if you were in trouble. I remembered. She felt his rebuke obscurely. It never occurred to me to send for anyone else. Thank you for that. Did you mean anything but politeness when you said that you had been anxious to see me? He hesitated but he had already made up his mind that the time had come to put her on her guard. Besides, he inferred that she had begun herself to appreciate her danger. 
You have read the newspapers. You saw the reporters this afternoon. Of course, you must have guessed that they hope for a sensational trial with you as its heroine. How can men, men, be such heartless brutes? Ask the public. Even that element that believes itself to be select and would not touch a yellow paper devours a really interesting crime in high life. Never mind that now. Let us get down to brass tacks. They want to fix the crime on you. How are you going to manage it? That is the question for us. Tell me exactly what they said, what they made you say. Mrs. Balfame gave him so circumstantial an account of the interview that he looked at her in admiration, although his rigid American face that looked so strong turned paler still. What a splendid witness you would make! He stared at the carpet for a moment, then flashed his eyes upward much as Broderick had done. Tell me, he said softly, is there anything you withheld from them? You know how safe you are with me, but I must be in a position to advise you what to say and to leave unsaid, if the worst comes. You mean if I am arrested? She had a moment of complete naturalness and stared at him wildly. He leaned forward and patted her hand. Anything is possible in a case like this, but you have nothing to fear. Now, will you tell me? Do you think I did it? I know that you did not, but I think you know something about it. It would cast no light on the mystery. He was shot from that grove on a pitch-dark night, and that is all there is to it. Let me be the judge of that. Very well. I have put on my light upstairs, and as I was nervous, I looked out of the window to see if Dave was coming. I so longed to have him home and go. Then I happened to glance in the direction of the grove, and I saw someone sneaking about there. Yes! He half rose, his eyes expanding, his nostrils dilating. Go on, go on. I told you I was nervous, wrought up from that dreadful scene at the club. I just felt like an adventure. I slipped downstairs and out of the house by the kitchen door. Frida takes the key of the back hall door on Saturday nights, thinking I would watch the burglar. Of course, that was what I thought he must be, and I knew that Dave would be along in a minute. How long was this after he telephoned? It would take him some time to walk from Cummock's, and he didn't leave at once. Oh, quite a while after. I was sure then that he would be along in a minute or two. Well, it may seem incredible to you, but I really felt as if excitement of that dangerous sort would be a relief. I understand perfectly. Rush spoke with the fatuousness of man who believes that love and complete comprehension of the object beloved are natural corollaries. But... But that is not the sort of story that goes down with a jury of small farmers and tradespeople. They don't know much about your sort of nerves. But go on. Well, I managed to get into the grove without being seen or heard by that man. I am sure of that. He moved round a good deal, and I thought he was feeling about for some point from which he could make a dart for the house. Then I heard Dave in Dorbarn Street singing. Then I saw him under the lamppost. After that, it all happened so quickly, I can hardly recall it clearly enough to describe. The man near me crouched. I can't tell you what I thought then, if I knew he was going to shoot, or why I didn't cry out. 
Almost before I had time to think at all, he fired, and Dave went down. And what about that other bullet? Are you sure there was no one else in the grove? There may have been a dozen. I heard someone running afterwards. There may have been more than one. Did you have a pistol? He spoke very softly. Don't be afraid to tell me. It might easily have gone off accidentally, or something deeper than your consciousness may have telegraphed an imperious message to your hand. But Mrs. Balfame, like all artificial people, was intensely secretive, and only delivered herself of the unvarnished truth when it served her purpose best. She gave a little feminine shudder. I never kept a pistol in the house. If I had, it would have been empty, just something to flourish at a burglar. Ah, yes, I was going to say that I was glad of that, but I don't know that it matters. If you had taken a revolver out that night, loaded or otherwise, and confessed to it, you hardly could have escaped arrest by this time, even if it were a thirty-eight. And if you confessed to going out into the dark to stalk a man without one, that would make your adventure look foolhardy and purposeless. It was evident that he was thinking aloud. She interrupted him sharply. But you believe me? I believe every word you say. The more differently you act from other women, the more natural you seem to me. But I think you were dead right in suppressing the episode. It leads nowhere and would incriminate you. It may come out as yet. That is why I sent for you, not because I was afraid of those reporters. Frida was on the back stairs that night when I came in. I thought I heard a sound and called out. I told Anna that night, and she questioned Frida indirectly, and was satisfied that she had heard nothing, for although she had come home early with a toothache, she was suffering so intensely that she wouldn't have heard if the shot had been fired under her window. So I dismissed such misgivings as I had from my mind. But just after those reporters left, she came up to my room and told me that she saw me come in and tried to blackmail me for five hundred dollars. I soon made her admit that she had not seen me, but she heard me, no doubt of that. I explained logically while I was there, after a drink of water, and that I called out to her because I thought I heard someone try the door. But if those reporters get hold of her... His face looked very grim. That is bad. Bad. By the way, why didn't you run to Balfame? That would seem the natural thing. I was suddenly horribly afraid. I think I knew he was dead, and I didn't want to go near that. I ran like a dog back to its kennel. It was a feminine enough thing to do. For the first time he smiled, and his voice, which had insensibly grown inquisitorial, softened once more. It was a dreadful position to find oneself in, and no mistake. Your instinct was right. If you had been found bending over him, still... As you had no weapon I think on the whole it would have been better to have gone to him of course that is what I should have done if I had loved him as it was I ran as far from him as I could get well don't let us waste time discussing the ought to have beens unless someone can prove that you were out that night the whole incident must be suppressed if you are arrested on any trumped-up charge and the district attorney is keener than the reporters you must stick to your story. By the way, why didn't you tell the reporters that Frieda was in the house about the time the shot was fired? I have forgotten. 
the house had been full of people the neighbourhood has lived here i have noticed her no more than if she were as wooden as she looks do you think she did it i wish i could but she would not have had time to get into the house before i did and the footsteps were running toward the lane at the back of the grounds she is one of the swiftest dancers down in that hall where she goes with her crowd every saturday night i have been doing a little sleuthing on my own account but i can't connect her up with balfame he wouldn't have looked at her you never can tell a man will often look quite hard at whatever happens to be handy but she doesn't appear to have any sweetheart although she's been in the country for four years she is intimate in the home of old dutch and goes about with young conrad but he is engaged to someone else all the boys like to dance with her she left the hall suddenly and ran home ostensibly wild with a toothache if she hid in the grove to kill balfame she could have got into the house before you did what was she doing on the stair anyway i didn't ask her she may have been too out of breath to answer you or too wary those other footsteps they may have been those of an accomplice the man who fired the other pistol but i would have seen her running ahead of me not necessarily it was very dark your mind was stunned you may have hesitated longer than you know before making for the house one is liable to powerful inhibitions in great crises where is the girl i think i'll have her in he walked the floor nervously while mrs balfame went out to the kitchen frida was sitting by the stove knitting commanded to come to the parlour her little eyes almost closed but she followed mrs balfame and confronted rush who stood in the middle of the floor looking tall and formidable i am mrs balfame's lawyer he said without preamble she sent for me because you tried to blackmail her what were you doing on the stairs when you heard mrs balfame in the kitchen you left the dance hall some time before eight and that could not have been more than five minutes past frida pressed her big lips together in a hard line oh won't you speak well if you don't explain to me you will to the grand jury tomorrow or i shall get out a warrant tonight for your arrest as the murderer of david balfame god the girl's face was almost purple she raised her knitting needles with a threatening gesture that was almost dramatic i did not do it she has done it what were you doing on the stairs i would heat water for my tooth cold water is the thing for an ulcerated tooth i never have the toothache like that already i am in my room many minutes before i think i go down then when i am on the stairs i hear mrs balfame come in she has explained what you heard no she had not i think so when we have talked this evening but not now she is was i mean all out of breath i was terrified mrs balfame retorted so promptly that rush flashed her a glance of admiration here was a woman who could take care of herself on the witness stand first i thought i heard someone trying to get into the door and then someone sneaking up the stairs oh yes frida's tones expressed no conviction the educated lady can think very quick but i say that she have come in by the door the kitchen door always i take the key to the hall door she know that and as she not know that i am in she go out by the kitchen door 
Always in the daytime when she goes to the yard, she go by the hall door. What a pity you did not slam the door when you came in. It would have been quite natural as you were in such agony. Rush spoke sarcastically, but he was deeply perturbed. It was impossible to tell whether the girl was telling the truth or a carefully rehearsed story. Of course you know that if you tell that story to the police you will get yourself into serious trouble. I get her into trouble. Mrs. Balfame is above suspicion. It is not my business to warn you or to defeat the ends of the law, of which apparently you know nothing. I know something. Last night I have tell Herr Kraus, and he say that since I have told the coroner I know nothings, much better I touch the lady for five hundred and go home. Oh, that is the advice old Dutch gave you. Splendid. I think the best thing I can do is to have you arrested bright and early tomorrow morning. Mrs. Balfame is cleared already. You may go. She stared at him for a moment out of eyes that spat fire like two little guns in the top of a fort. Then she swung herself about and retreated to the kitchen. That ought to make her disappear tonight. Her friends will hide her. The mere fact of her disappearance will convince the police, as well as the reporters, that she is guilty. You are all right, he spoke boyishly, and his face, no longer rigid, was full of light. But if she is innocent? No harm done. She'll be smuggled out of the country and suspicion permanently diverted from you. That is all I care about. He caught her hands impulsively in his. I am glad, so glad. Oh, it is too soon now, but wait. He was out of the house before she grasped the fact that he had arrested himself on the brim of another declaration. Mrs. Balfame went up to bed, serene once more in the belief that her future was her own, unclouded, full of attractive possibilities for a woman of her position and intellectual attainments. But she made up her mind to take a really deep course of reading, so that the most spiteful should not call her superficial. Moreover, she had been conscious more than once of certain mental dissatisfactions, of uneasy vacancies in a mind sufficiently awake to begin to realise the cheapness of its furnishings. Perhaps she would take a course in history at Columbia, another in psychology. As she put herself into a sturdy cotton nightgown and then brushed back her hair from a rather large forehead before braiding it severely for the night, she realised dimly that that way happiness might lie, that the pleasures of the intellectual life might be very great indeed. She wished, regretfully, that she could have been brilliantly educated in her youth. In that case, she would not have married a man who would incite any spirited woman to seek the summary release, but would be today the wife of a judge, perhaps, some fine fellow who had showed the early promise that Dwight Rush must have done. If she could attract one man like that at the age of forty-two, she could have had a dozen in her train when young, if she had had the sense to appreciate them. But she was philosophical, and it was not her way to quarrel very deeply with herself or with life. Her long braids were as evenly plaited as ever. She sank into sleep, thinking of the disagreeable necessity of making the kitchen fire in the morning and cooking her own breakfast. Frida, of course, would be gone. End of chapter 16